I get the sense that God wants us just to wait in this moment for just a second. Uh, and there's a couple of words, and you can be seated if you want to. Uh, there's a couple of words that were given by the prayer team this morning in anticipation of God doing something here with you, uh, you online, you present in this room. Someone who's experiencing some sort of darkness, Jesus says, I will dispel the darkness. Jesus says, I am in you. Someone with a broken toe, someone with uh, pain in their lower leg, 
So we, we speak out these things in anticipation that God is going to do something, that he's actually already up to something. And we live in the faith that he's, he's about to do these things. I just want to wait on him for just a second because I believe that he's going to begin ministry right now. So come, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. The doors of our heart are open for you to move and minister as you want. Thank you, Lord, for beginning to heal people this morning, to dispel the darkness. We just declare the darkness dispelled right now in Jesus' name. For those who know this prayer, would you pray it with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, we stand in your glory, which means that what you want to happen gets to happen. That your righteousness, your order comes to bear your kingdom among us. And we thank you, Lord, so much that we get to stand in your glory this morning. Randall, would you lead us in communion this morning? Thank you for the opportunity to lead you. I'm Randall Pinnell, one of the partners here. Uh, we're about to begin a new series of sermons, I believe, this week. Uh, and it's basically on the wilderness that we talk about in Exodus. And the thing that came immediately to my mind was uh, the night before the wilderness journey started for the people of Israel, uh, the first Passover occurred. I think we'll have a sermon at some point in this coming series about the Passover. But it's the Passover uh, where the, you know, perhaps you know the story, uh, God had told Moses to tell the people to put blood over the lentils of their door, over the top of their doors, and to make bread, but because they didn't have time for it to rise, it was unleavened bread, or Hebrew word for that is matzah. And uh, so they had that celebration. And it's in that context that really the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, however you are best familiar with it, 
comes. And one of the big differences is that God had told them through Moses about this uh, beginning of their redemption, this great exodus story, a story of not only getting out of Egypt and out of bondage, but moving toward and eventually getting into a land of promise. The difference this time, and I want to read out of Luke this time, uh, about this Last Supper, uh, Jesus, when he had said the hour has come, he reclined at a table, the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat the Passover with you before I suffer. Big difference in this Passover time and that original Passover because the Lord himself is with them. He is incarnate among them, and he is inviting them to sit with him and to sup with him. In this moment of beginning of redemption, but also of transformation for all of us. So I pray that uh, we enter that today with that sense of his presence with us. Uh, He said, I earnestly desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And having taken a cup when he had given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And having taken some bread, when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we take the bread and do this not only in remembrance of him, but of recognition of his presence with us? And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood, this new agreement that he has with us, not only of redemption and getting out of Egypt, but of redemption and getting us to that land of promise that he's waiting for us in. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Lord, would you bless the reading of your word, and this opportunity to share in your body and your blood. Amen. Anyway, good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome to Mission Vineyard this morning. My phone doesn't want to unlock, so I hope I don't have to do this from memory. (laughs) Um, We just have a couple of announcements this morning. Um, First of all, of course, we're super excited that you're here this morning. Um, If you are brand new to Mission Vineyard, we hope you got a welcome bag. If you didn't get a welcome bag, you should totally go get one at the end of the service. Um, It also includes um, a contact card that just says, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. We won't spam you or all kinds of stuff like that. We will just um, send you what's going on in the church and also, it includes um, a mana bag, and this is just something that you can keep in your car to share with um, someone that is in need. 
Um, I know a lot of us don't carry cash nowadays, so this just has some practical items like water and crackers and things like that um, that might help them out. Um, we also have a lot of activities going on right now. For example, um, tonight we're going to have a family small group, and it is going to be at the Harmony Hills Community Park at 5 p.m. We're going to have um, water games, a family fun, a devotional, things like that. And if you have questions, just go to the welcome table at the end of the service, and we'll let you know more about that if you have questions. Next, we have a Men of Mission Vineyard event, and that's going to be on Saturday. And that's going to be at the home of Danny. Um, and uh, he makes excellent brisket and ribs, and so you should definitely try to make it. And if you have questions um, about carpooling, you can just see Arlita out um, over there, and she'll um, help you coordinate getting a carpool going to get up there. And finally, um, as an act of worship, we'd like to pause and allow people the opportunity to give their tithes and offerings. If you'd like to do that, you can go to the media table or also go to the welcome table and drop off your offerings there. Finally, um, let's just go ahead and pray over um, the offering and over the service. Dear God, thank you so much for being so generous with us um, each and every day. And I just pray over the offerings and also just over the sermon today, just that we'd be able to apply it the rest of the week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, I want to introduce you to a couple of people this morning. Uh, first, my name is John Arelli. Great to meet you. I'm the senior pastor here. And uh, it's, it's great to be with you here this morning. Thank you all so much, especially you with kids. Kids, can you hear me okay? Yeah. yeah. Welcome, kids. Did you know that next week uh, we're opening up a whole room for you guys upstairs? Next week, beginning Father's Day. And I know that you love being down here, and if you love being down here, you are welcome to stay here because you are loved and you are welcome. And next week, a classroom just for you is opening up. Isn't that awesome? And thank you, you uh, volunteers, kids volunteers, for stepping up so that that can happen. That's a big deal, and it takes a lot of work. Thank you so, so much. Uh, coming out of this, like, giving time, Victor, would you just join me up here for a second? I want you to meet our treasurer, Victor So. Um, every time we have you on video, you have that shirt on, and I love it. Every time? Every time. If you, I, it's one of my favorite things. Um, you know, Larissa just prayed for our giving, for tithes and offerings. Uh, we're starting to pass baskets now. Uh, we're, we're having some conversations about finances these days, a lot more than we typically would. Um, you are a really faithful, amazing treasure. And you are diligent and you are thoughtful and uh, I think blessed. I think uh, the church has been blessed because of your work. And I just wanna say thank you so much for all the work. You guys can clap for the investment. Because it's not a small thing. It's not a small thing uh, to be like an over steward of like, making sure that every dollar that's given to Mission Vineyard is, is given in trust to God's kingdom work and safely and, and with accountability, and you oversee all of that, and that's a big deal, and so we just want to say thank you. Um, we've been having conversations, because one of the things we do talk about with finances at Mission Vineyard is that God doesn't need your money, and the church doesn't need your money. And 
that's got to be a hard thing for a treasurer. Because <laughs> you're going, John, you know, there's some things that we need to pay for and blah, 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 blah. But like, what is it like for you to be treasurer in the midst of that and leaning into the space of God doesn't need our money and the church doesn't need your money? Yeah, it's just inputs and outputs, right? Uh, so as treasurer over the church, it's a stark revelation that the money is not ours. It is not John's, it's not mine, it's not anybody's who's handling it or thinking about it, setting the budget or tracking expenses, any of that, any of the planning. But it's God's money. In the same way that for you guys, who are everyone who is giving to the church, you're giving it not because it's... Yeah, you got to hold it closer to your mouth. Your so. money? Yeah. Wow, now I'm loud. Okay. Uh, not because it's your money, but because it's his. Right? So we, we honor that as we um, go through the process of you're just understanding what is God doing in the midst of our church. So it is challenging, for sure, because we're often making decisions not because of what we see, like I have this many dollars in and this many dollars out, but listening to God, like, what is your plan? So that we can align ourselves to that and put ourselves in a position to agree. Uh, and that takes a lot of faith, uh, takes a lot of risk as a whole team, not, not on me, like I'm, I'm data entry most of the time, <laughs> setting up uh, structures and processes. But um, as a leadership team overall and as a um, church overall, we're always moving in faith that God's plan um, is true and that his word will not come back empty-handed, that he will actually bring those things to pass. So yeah. sometimes we do things that we cannot see being <laughs> obviously <laughs> able to happen. We lean into it, and you know what? God's always provided. He's um, always provided, and that's what continues to blow me away. We've made some risky decisions, not risky, but we've, we have risked in faith towards some things, adding staff, and now like making an offer on a house that's just at the end of the parking lot here. It's not been accepted yet, so we're not... We're not locked in. That will come to the church first <laughs> before we're locked into anything. But yeah, I've, I've been doing this for three years, and lots of things have happened. Lots of vision, lots of changed vision or refined vision, different directions that he's pulling us. Uh, and we always have to go back and ask him, well, what are you doing? And that yeah. means even mid-year, we've had a budget, we've been going against it, and now God's doing something new. And so having the flexibility to just respond to what he's doing, what he's um, breathing new life into any time in the year. Uh, it's, it's a wild ride, but I love it. Thank you. It's a wild ride. Uh, so we are in the midst of a wild ride right now, and it's an amazing gift as a church to not be anxious about it. Uh, to be, I mean, not denied by a bank, but being told by the banks, I'm sorry, like, you don't have what it takes for us to finance you, right? So yet, yet. And yet we go, okay, like, we don't, we're not going to, like, when we do these things, we're not going to have, like, fundraisers. We're not going to, we're not going to squeeze the body and say, hey, you need to give more. Like, that's not who we are. We believe securely that when God wants us to do something, he'll provide for it. And when he's calling us to something, even if we don't have the funds, we're going to go for it. And as people worship him, as God talks to people, he does that. We don't do that. The church doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. We operate in, in, as a congregation that's disciples of Jesus, worshiping him with our whole selves, and however that works out, we trust God with it. It's an authentic expression of the body. Yeah, I, I would say as um, reminders to trust Jehovah Jireh as the God who provides. He has the hills, uh, the 
cows on a thousand hills. He yeah. owns Pluto. I think John said that last week. He does own Pluto. <laughs> he has all of these means uh, at his disposal. So there is nothing that we need to do besides trust him. And he may prompt us to give in a new way. Um, and I think giving in a new way is worshiping in a new way, not, oh, I have a dollar amount that I need to put for a particular no. purpose. Uh, we do have, for example, on the website, you can give to the building fund. And I would interpret that as, I want to be a part of a very specific project. I want to drive that outcome. But I think more than anything, what God wants is us to steward this relationship and the resources that he's giving to us. Yeah. Right? So that's general. That's, I don't care what happens. This is what he's calling me to do, and I'm going to experience life through that. So I just want to encourage you that as you're uh, looking at how you are inviting Jesus into all of life, how that might intersect with finances, and how you may want to partner with the church or if you have another home church or some other ministry that you're involved in, that that would be a part of a prayerful, considerate, and worshipful experience. Yeah. So would you all join me in praying for Victor? And uh, Victor, then would you pray over the church or vice versa? Do you want to do that first? You can pray over the church first. Yeah. Lord Jesus, I just, I'm so grateful that you have been a faithful God to us. Yes, that, Lord. Um, just seeing it from the, the angle of um, finances, knowing that you have provided for every single thing that you have called us into. Uh, and you've given us immeasurably more that we're able to be generous, to be activated in the community, to be your hands and feet of mercy to those who are in need. And we're just so grateful that you give us so much more than we pour out because it is all yours anyway and you love us. So I just pray for that prescription of um, healing and growth and deepening of intimacy with you. I ask that you would bond all of us to your mission, um, your mission that is for capturing our hearts and becoming fishers of men. I thank you and I pray that as we move forward uh, with any new projects that they will all be breathed on by you, that you're motivating and you're providing the means for everything that you want done for the revival and restoration yes, and redemption Lord. of the city. Yes. So I just pray that you would uh, set our hearts for that, that we would cry out daily for, for you to provide, that it will all be because you are a faithful and awesome God. And Lord, we pray for Victor as you've given him an anointing, skills, tools, gifts to oversee these finances. Um, God, we thank you so, so much for the work that you've done in him and the work that you're doing in him. As we all put together our worship to you, Lord, and uh, Victor gets to oversee the stewardship of that. Lord, we worship you. And I pray, God, that each moment of Victor's uh, volunteer work for this church would be worship to you as well. That you'd free him as you have, God. You've already done this. And I just say more, Lord, freedom, freedom, um, from the responsibilities that aren't his. Freedom to worship you in the work, freedom to worship you in the giving. All of it, God. Uh, we pray blessing, protection. Um, God, that this work that he does would just add to the holiness you're building in him. More Holy Spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled anew. Be filled afresh. In Jesus' name. Amen. John, is it okay if I say one more thing? Nope, you know, you can't, nope.
Um, so you said something just a moment ago about the banks are freaked out. They say you don't have what it takes. Yeah, it's weird to be a church and going to a bank. Yeah. I didn't realize that. This is a new adventure for us. Yeah, but I, I want to just say one thing about that that's more about what God is doing. Yeah. We spoke as a board and as a, a leadership team about what this year would be about. And especially coming out of the pandemic, we're finding a new rhythm or a new approach and kind of going against the grain on a lot of things. And we really identify strongly that God was calling us to a year of sowing. Yeah. A year where we're investing and pouring into some things that will give birth later. Um, that God has a crop that is getting planted now that he will water and he'll provide the sunlight and the warmth so that it will pr produce a crop 30, 60, and 100 fold in, a, uh, in the coming seasons. And that season might be really soon, but it's on his timing, right? Yeah. So that was a year of sowing. The banks want to see a year of growth, of reaping, and of multiplication. So when we say that the banks think that we are not fit to purchase a property, it has nothing to do with what God is doing. We're actually going according to plan. He has spoken something, and we're just going with it. Yeah. And it's turning out exactly as he said. So I'm not concerned. I hope you guys aren't concerned. I yeah. can talk with anybody afterwards if you are. Yeah, to that end, if you want a copy of our budget, of our expenditures, Victor has it. It's free. We don't hide anything. Uh, beyond that, you know, if you asked for it, you would see that God allowed us to save a lot of money last year so that we could sow this year and enough money to put down. We have 25% down payment and more. And uh, we're just navigating how much more the bank wants us to have. In order. Anyway, God knows what he's up to. And Victor, thank you so much for Thanks, John. helping us through that. Uh, beyond that, um, Mark, would you join me up here, Mark and Jenny? And you can bring family up if you want to, or you can just have yourselves. Uh, we continue to navigate, not only pushing into to sowing into uh, how God wants to grow our church, but how God's growing the church all over the world. So Mark and Jenny uh, and Cora and her brothers planted a church on the south side seven years ago? East side. East side? Uh, six years we've been here, yeah, six years. On the east side. Yeah. And handed it over. And God's calling them to multiply just like they've done here all over Central and South America. And uh, we want to pray for you and send you out. And uh, on, we're, we're going to get a link. I didn't get a link for today, but we can put that online afterwards on our Facebook page. Uh, so that if you guys want to contribute to what Mark and Jenny are up to, do you want to just give a small synapse of, of what God is up with you guys right now? Is you, you're leaving next week? So we leave, we leave two weeks tomorrow. Uh, so um, that's a little overwhelming, so I'm trying not to think about it, <laughs> trying not to think about it too much. We're moving our whole family to, uh, to Miami. So, uh, so we thankfully found a house last week. It's not easy to find a house in that area right now, so that's a huge praise. So, uh, so we have a house to go to. We're not going to be camping on the beach, so that's a good, a good start. So, yeah. uh, um, but what God has called us to really is, is mission amongst um, displaced people. So... Um, so there's about 80, more than 80 million displaced people around the world right now. There's a huge movement of people happening around the world. Um, we had come here to stay long-term, to, to live and, and, and minister on the east side. But about three, four years ago, we began to meet lots of Central American asylum seekers who were living around us. 
and God began to speak something new. He began to interrupt what we were doing. We have, well, me and Jenny met in Africa. So I was working in the Congo. Jenny was in Uganda, uh, working alongside refugees. We worked with refugees in the UK. So for the ministry, we work, we work with several partners. We're going to be kind of coordinating ministry globally amongst displaced people, with particularly focusing on Latin America to begin with. So, so it's a vision far bigger than we can, you know, um, we can really plan for. So, uh, um, but God is, this is where God is leading us. We're taking that step of faith and um, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so as a church, I just want to say, we believe in you guys. We believe in what God's doing in you. Uh, your relationships that you've built on the east side and all over San Antonio are evident in how many people you've had to visit since you've handed the church over <laughs> and how many parties they have been for you. And we just want to celebrate you one more time and praying for you as you go. Yeah, thank you. And just to say as well, this was the first church we came to when we moved here. So John has been a great support for us, for our family while we've been here. I'm sorry we haven't been here every week. Um, <laughs> Um, but we do appreciate John's support, the church's support for us as we prepare to, to, to go out to, to Florida to this kind of next stage of our ministry, our lives. So, yeah. Jen, would you come up and just help pray? I just, I know that um, there's been some ministry there with these guys and Jenny in particular. Yeah. Come Holy Spirit. There is none like you, God. I thank you, Lord, how you continually bless Mark and Jenny with your presence. That although the work is hard, Lord, that you've continually said, I'm with you. I'm taking you forward. You can rely on me. I thank you, Lord, for the way that you're blessing their children making them children of mission with your heart. God, with any authority that you've given us in this moment, we bless Mark and Jenny in being, just being part of the big sea church that's sending them out to Miami and uh, to Latin America that you would bring displaced people home through them. That, Lord, you would show them all that you're up to and that they would just partner with you. That you'd provide every need. And we bless you with the authority that you didn't know you had in Jesus' name to lead others doing the work. Be filled with his Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing of his love for you, a fresh facet of his love for you. Lord, strengthen them where they feel weak. Clothe them with your light. Fill them with life. Send your holy angels to minister to them and their family. Guard and protect them from all sickness and harm and accidents. And give them safe travel to Miami and all over the world. We praise you now and forever, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name.
that he would be glorified. Amen. So you can grab Mark and Jenny. You can go on Facebook afterwards. You can um, get on their prayer list. Yeah, we can add you by uh, email to our newsletter. And we promise we won't bombard you with emails. Like once every couple of months, we'll send you an email. Or you can befriend us on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. You can follow us and keep in touch that way. We love you all. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for allowing us to in this moment. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You can This is a, a real, I just love between last week and this week, just the ways that our church is saying um, it's not about us. You know, last week, you all, just by asking for five bucks, you gave each other 500 bucks. It just went around the room. It was just the, one of the most fun things I've seen in a long time. Uh, and I love just how the church is continuing to say, this is not our stuff. This is God's stuff, and we want to be a part of it. So with that, I want to engage this new series, Into the Wilderness, uh, with the five minutes I've got left. (laughs) Reminding us of what God can do with his resources when we lay ourselves down to them. So Lord Jesus, as I I engage in these scriptures, I pray, Lord, that uh, you would forgive me for anything that I've done, uh, that that all of me would just be... Uh, laid down so that your word and what you want to say comes through. Come, Holy Spirit. God, if anybody needs to be delivered, if there are any hiccups in in this room regarding finances, that today would be the day that freedom would come. We ask in Jesus' name. So, the truth is that the wilderness belongs to the Lord. As we enter the wilderness... Our primary thought can be that the wilderness belongs to the Lord. So if you are in the wilderness, if you have been in the wilderness, you are not far away from the Lord. In the midst of destruction, back in Genesis, there was a man named Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jacob, who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. If you've heard of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this family line that God chose to be priests to the world, the ones that would bear his image in the world. You guys are going to do it. You family, you're going to do it. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Have you heard that term before? Be fruitful and multiply. Guess what? God used the Egyptians through Joseph. Joseph was in jail, was raised up to be the second-hand man in Pharaoh's Egypt. So as all the work was going on, there was a a complete famine going on, and God speaks to Joseph and says, Joseph, I'm going to use Egypt in the wasteland to be the place where you are fruitful and you multiply. The wasteland belongs to the Lord. And he brings up people to be able to set resources aside to do what he wants to do, which is for his people to be fruitful and multiply. As Exodus begins, we get a completely different story. 400 years have passed, the scriptures say. Well, the scriptures don't say that, but enough time has passed. We know about 400 years. And we engage here in Exodus 1, verse 6. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending the entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly, they became extremely powerful and filled the land. So they were able to fulfill God's desire to be fruitful and multiply 
without their own land. Pharaoh had set aside the, the most beautiful part of Egypt with Joseph. And he said, all of your family, I want you to be in Goshen. Goshen is, is where the Niles come together just off of the, the Mediterranean. And it's gorgeous and it's lush and it's beautiful. And the Israelites got to be fruitful and multiply until 400 years later, another Pharaoh comes to power and he says, wait a second, my city's got to be there. And I need to be great there. So guess what? All of you Israelites, you're, you're, you're too much. I'm a little nervous for you. That you might join in with some other armies and attack me. So we've got an anxious, we've got a Pharaoh 400 years prior that was very comfortable with what God was doing. In fact, blessed Joseph to lead so that his resources could be a blessing for the whole land. And it was. And then 400 years later, we have this anxious Pharaoh who says, wait a second. I'm not sure that I can trust you or your God with these things. So one of the greatest evils we know, the death of children, comes to bear on the Israelites. The Egyptians, this is verse 11, made Israelites their slaves, appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramses as supply centers for the king right in that area that was given to the Israelites in the first place. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, watch this church, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. You know why? The wasteland belongs to the Lord. And God determines what happens to his people no matter what else is going on. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy, made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar in horrible ways. The next thing that happens for you, uh, I, I love when God blesses women in the scripture. And here he names two specific women that save all of Israel in the midst of Egypt. It's fantastic. Exodus 1, chapter, uh, verse, uh, verse 15. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave an order to all the Hebrew midwives, Shipra and Pua. When you help Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby's a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let him live. We see this happening still today all over the world. The one-child policy in China and all kinds of abortion tactics here in the United States. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. Look at what happens with these two women. Pharaoh is known as a powerful man. But he's not more powerful than these two women who follow God. All of the area, all of it belongs to the Lord. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. And Pharaoh gave his order, throw all the newborn baby boys in the Nile. But let the girls live. And they didn't. And out of this moment is where this person Moses comes to bear. Moses is born to a Levite woman and a Levite man. And because she wants him to live, she puts him in a basket, sends him strategically down the river. This is a, a kind of social justice saying, uh-uh, leader, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to save this child strategically into the daughter's hand of the Pharaoh. And the daughter of Pharaoh raises Moses in a sort of royalty. 
instead of the anxiety that Pharaoh was bringing, the people of Israel still lived in this place where God was the provider. God, no matter what was going on, was due his worship. Some of us, uh, we recognize who God is. I think Pharaoh even probably heard of this God that saved them all from famine. It's not recorded in the extent of history that we have, except for the scriptures. But we know that the famine happened. The rescue happened because the Lord appointed people for all of Egypt. So they knew who this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was. The God of Joseph, of Zaphtanpaneah, the one who, who saved, and the number two of Pharaoh. And yet they decided not to worship him. Instead, in the anxiety of what was happening in the resources of Egypt, with the Israelites growing overfilled in the land that Pharaoh wanted, Pharaoh got anxious, clenched his fists, and decided to stop what God was doing. And all of the sudden, Pharaoh became an enemy of God. So much so we can see in Ezekiel 29, this is years and years later, the prophet Ezekiel says, give this message from the sovereign Lord to Pharaoh. I am your enemy, O Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You great monster lurking in the streams of the Nile, for you have said the Nile River is mine. I made it for myself. So that you can see the line of Pharaohs continuing in this affront to God where God's desire is for his people to be fruitful and multiply. And he does it no matter what the circumstances are. He always makes resources for his people. There is always a guarantee of God's faithfulness to his people. They will never be without, whether they're in slavery, whether there's a famine, whether their children are being killed, God is still faithful. And that rebellion to God creates enemies of God. All of creation belongs to the Lord. Life and birth belongs to the Lord. The Psalm 24 says, The Lord, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all his people belong to him, for he laid the earth's foundation. Church, what if we could be a people that didn't just recognize who God was, not even just worshipped him, but we actually followed him in our resources? In my darkest times, uh, I don't know how many of you know this, I have been horrible with resources. I thank God for Victor overseeing the finances of the church because I have been a debt addict in my life. I've, I've had $55,000 of credit cards in, in my lifetime on top of $50,000 of school loans and a car loan. I have been overwhelmed to the point where I ran out of credit card debt to take in order to pay off my credit card bills. I've been in a desperate situation because I didn't have the skills, tools, or ability to deal with finances. At that time, I was still tithing, believe it or not. In fact, before we got sent out as a church, my senior pastor had to come to me and say, hey, you were tithing at a point, and then that tithing stopped. And I had to explain to him it was because my credit card ran out that I was tithing on. I was so unhealthy. It was such a sad and desperate situation. Now, not because we make any more money, not because, in fact, we laid down everything that we had at that point, had to start my own business, had $20,000 stolen. I mean, there were plenty of reasons that I should be bankrupt today. There is no good reason that we should be debt-free from credit cards today. There is no good reason why we don't have a car loan today. There's no good reason that $20,000 has been paid off of my school loans in those 10 years that all that's in. There's no good reason that we should own a home. 
all of those things are miracles of God that we just kept on going and repenting and saying, God, I've screwed up. I don't know what to do, but would you rescue me? Would you be the God of the wilderness? Would you be the God that no matter what has happened, that you are still faithful to me? Do you know in the first whole chapter of Exodus, God's not barely mentioned. The women, the midwives that decide what they do, they didn't decide because God said, hey, midwives, I need you to do this thing and combat yourselves against Pharaoh. No, they just knew the goodness and faithfulness of God. They said, no, we know that God is not for killing children. We are going to go against that, and we are going to be his people that he told us that we would be. No matter what was happening, we still relied on the Lord. And we began to see that money belongs to the Lord, and he changed my heart. We began to follow Jesus and not just worship him, not just know he was alive, but we began to follow him with our finances. This is Matthew 6, 19. Jesus says, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths and eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Let me tell you where we know where people's hearts are when you start playing with their budgets. You know exactly where somebody's heart is. You know why? Every time my wife and I go over a budget, we know where our hearts are. And sometimes we get into it and we go, wait a second. Where does our heart need to be? Do we need to pay our taxes? We should probably put some money aside for that. And I go, ah, taxes. Every time we make a budget, every time we determine and we tell our money where to go and we give it to the Lord relationally, we say, Lord, all of this is yours. 10% uh, is definitely going to you and the rest of it you can, I know you trust me with, but God, uh, it's all yours. All of a sudden, God gives us this tool to combat consumerism, materialism, and for what it was for me in my credit card debt, it was laziness. It was a slothfulness that said, you know, I'm not really going to pay attention to it because I don't know how. I was afraid and ashamed that I didn't know how, and so I just got deeper and deeper and deeper. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money but he doesn't leave us there. Here's the good news. This is Colossians 1.19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled, you accountants, you get this word, God reconciled everything to himself. There's a word today for those of you who have been financially strapped. You have made some financial mistakes in your life. This sermon is for you. God is not done with your finances yet. God is a rescuer and a reconciler. And if you give your finances to him relationally, whatever that means, he doesn't need your money. The church doesn't need your money. But he wants to reconcile all of it unto himself. I have prayed over and over again that God would forgive me and forgive my debts. And he did. He forgave me and reconciled all of it to himself. Did it take surrender and obedience day after day, budget after budget? Yes, but God did this. He reconciled everything to himself, and he made peace with everything. 
in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. I kept on going to him vulnerably and saying, God, I put the cross between you and this debt. I put the cross between you and these resources. I'm not going to get anxious and clench on them anymore, God. I'm going to open my hands with my vulnerability and my guilt and my shame and ask for your forgiveness and let it all be reconciled to you. And he set me free. Friends, do you believe that Jesus, do you believe the Holy Spirit, do you feel like that God the Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Joseph that set everything aside, the God of the wilderness, the God that comes to us and defines what his resources should become, the ones that says be fruitful and multiply. Do you believe that God can do something with our finances? Do you believe that he can free you from the burden of those finances? Do you believe that he can love you through any mistakes that you've made if you'd be vulnerable and allow the cross to take the burden of them so he can lead you forward? This is what he wants to do. Each of us could become a pharaoh that clenches and, 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 and calls everybody his enemy and becomes afraid when things are well around him and, and afraid that he'll be conquered and, and driven over, afraid, anxious about his resources. Or we could surrender our resources, surrender our whole selves, and watch God's glory, his establishment, his goodwill, his desires to be established in our midst. That's what I want. That's what I want. Would you stand with me, please? Ethan and Eva, would you come up? And you're going to lead us in one more song. And if we could put those words back up on the screen. I believe that God wants to deliver some people today that have been in financial bondage. I believe he wants to set some people free that have been overwhelmed by their debts, by their mistakes. He, Jesus loves you so much. He died for you, not so that you can become more anxious about your finances, but so that you can be set free by them. Just like Victor said, he's got cattle on a thousand hills. And when he's ready to forgive your debts, he can sell a cow. He's able. He's so big. He's God of the wilderness. He's God that can take care of our needs. For those of you who don't have a relationship with Jesus that could, could sustain that kind of vulnerability, I want to welcome you into that relationship right now. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for the things I've done wrong. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so I could be forgiven and set free. Set me free, Jesus. Thank you for offering me your forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There are prayer teams waiting for you. And if you don't want to go to them, if you raise your hand, a prayer team will come to you. Because this is a day when God wants to set people free. As we enter into this wasteland time, we recognize that God is a God of wastelands and he can do amazing things in them. Let's worship together, and as we worship, come for prayer.
And once they're done singing, I'll give a benediction to us all.
time for come for prayer. There's a place is, uh, I, I just, I even sense that some, some people's hands are like unclenching, that there have been places where you just, you've gotten so anxious because the resources haven't been what you've wanted them to be. And God is just saying, nope, open up your hands and let me lead you forward. Open. God who's God of the wilderness, staying faithful to his plan and 